Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Kinda Libertarian. Mike Turpin, my man. How you doing today, bud? What's up? I'm good. I'm dude, ready to do an episode. Dude, listen to me. Jake Paul, Ben Askren. The fight was last night. Did you see any of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all there was to see. It was not very much to watch. And uh, yeah, for for me, it just comes down to, I imagine Jake Paul trained way harder than Ben Askren for this fight. And as a result, like he looked like he just smoked smoked like a ton of weed and ate a pizza and walked in there. He was just like, wait, what am I doing? What am I doing? Crazy. (laughs) <laughs> Crazy. Um, it almost makes you wonder if there was like incentive for him to lose somewhere, somehow, something. Because he, either that, it's either that or he just doesn't have any ambition anymore when it comes to competing and it was just a cash grab. Like he might just be my days of taking competition seriously are over. I'm going to go out there and do my best. If he honestly was trying to win, he did not try very hard. Well, look, I mean, the fact that he was in the UFC, it means he trained, at one point in his life, he trained his fucking ass off. So yeah. he clearly did not train for this fight. And I think you're right. I mean, I think maybe he was just like, look, someone's going to give a boatload of cash. It's like, I'll fucking get knocked down. Whatever. How much money are you going to give me? I mean, it makes sense. I would yeah. probably do that too, not by like a professional fighter, but just like a regular dude. I'm like, okay, I'll go two rounds if you're, just a, if you're not a real fighter. You know, if I can get a big ton of cash out of that some people were saying that it was like he took he took a dive i i, I don't know i don't know I mean that fuck. yet i mean what do you yeah, think, it, do you think he, does it look like he maybe had done that well i would say this i could see it being like there's some sort of backdoor incentive like if you lose if you get knocked out somewhere whether it's related to jake paul's team some sort of boxing promotion, someone along the line might have been like, we're going to throw you some cash under the, you know, off the record. That would be the way I would see it being taking a dive. Uh, The other side of it could be he went out there, got hit hard, realized what he was up against and was like almost trying to find a way out by stumbling a little extra when they Uh, wanted to see if he was okay. I mean, it happens, you know, my original take was that's a man who can knock somebody out and throw a punch versus a man who doesn't, who can't. They're, they're fighting with two different weapons, <laughs> you know? You know, it's, some people are saying that, <clears throat> you know, that, that, that this is really good for boxing because it's bringing a lot of new people into the world of boxing, you know, and, and certainly boxing could use all the help it could get. <clears throat> but then um, you, you have that happening. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? As fight fans, I mean, I don't want to see it. I don't. I didn't pay to watch. I just saw. It. I saw the. You know, when they reran it, um, but I don't want to see that. You know, if I want to see a, a fight, I, that is not what I want to see. But maybe there are more people out there that do want to see that, and they're willing to pay. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a mechanism of the free market. You know, is yeah. the free market gonna give a shitty boxing, <laughs> or or is it? It was just just a one time thing. Because let's be honest. He was coming off and saying, look, I did it. People say I couldn't do it. I'm a great fighter. And, you know, maybe he is a good fighter. I don't know. But, like, he hasn't fought anybody who's, like, a real, you know, contender. You know, he hasn't fought anybody that could really, you know, go, you know, go, go a few rounds legitimately with you, like a, 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 an NBA player and, you know, 
<laughs> and Askren, who was just like, dude, I swear to God, I don't think he knew where he was, like, when he showed up. I think he was just like, just watching him walking in, it was like almost, it's almost like he thought someone was going to jump in and be like, ah, it's just a joke. You know, you're punked. You know, it was like a punked episode or something. Yeah. You haven't seen a guy with his build do well in boxing, especially at the lighter weight classes, probably since like 1950, you know? I mean, he's just not, he, he doesn't look the part. He doesn't look like somebody who can box well. And to top it off, he can't box well. Like every once in a while, there's a guy who's just out of shape that can just beat up dudes who are, but he's not that guy. He doesn't throw that punch. He's not the baseball pitcher. He's not the guy who has that whip. It is. It's like trying, it's like somebody shows up with a steel bat and somebody shows up with a wiffle ball bat. And even though the wiffle ball bat has experience, you know, it's kind of like that. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know. I think he was, was, yeah, was thinking of that. Half a mil, and then and then. Is that what he got? A half a million for that? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You know, it's it, this is kind of what we were talking about last week, and you were bringing this up. It's just you got to stay on top of your game if you legitimately want to, you know, be good at your craft. You know, mm-hmm. it's one thing that you know he fought for the UFC. I don't know how long ago that was, but fighters, even if you're not a fighter, well, no matter what you do in life. You have to stay on top of your game. You have to, because things are always changing. Like life is not, you know, still. It's organic. Things move and grow and change. So no matter what you do, if you're a fighter, you always have to train. And not just train, but always know what your opponent's going to do. Because your opponent might have developed, you know, something new, like a new leg kick or something like that that you've never seen before. You don't know. You always have to be on top of your game. You could say that for teachers, Teachers have to be on top of their game. They have to know what's going on. If you're a history teacher, we, history, you know, what we see in history changes from time to time. So you need to know those things. You need to know what's going on in um, current events so you can relate those things to history. Um, I think that's true for anything. Even yeah, I was actually thinking about this a little bit with um, the cop that shot, um, oh, what was that guy's name? Um, Adam Toledo in Chicago, okay. 13-year-old kid. So I watched that thing. And it was fucking heartbreaking. I mean, this kid, you know, he had his hands up and he got shot. And a lot of people were saying, well, he did have a gun. He had gun residue on his hands, which you couldn't have figured that out just by holding, looking at the guy, you know. Right, yeah. Uh, it was 2.30 in the morning. He was running around. Clearly, he was up to no good. But the bottom line is they told him to stop and drop his gun. That's what he did and put his hands up. That's exactly what he did. Within, what, two seconds later, he was shot. Now, to me, and I'm not an expert, but looking at it, it seems like the cop fucked up. I don't know if it was intentional. I think the cop did it because the cop wasn't on top of his game. You know, it's like, I think, I feel like a cop that was on top of his game, as soon as he saw those hands go up, would not have shot that gun. Yeah, I, I think that that's a good point for a lot of these police officers that, that make a lot of these decisions i think that the they're only so fueled by their prejudice and their hatred and being a bad person like like of course that that definitely can have to do with profiling and and choosing to make the decisions they do against who they do it but a lot of it just comes down to being off your game and just a lack of awareness a a hypersensitivity uh nerves whatever it is 
I, I saw the clip. I, I, I forgot the name. I, I see a lot of this stuff. It sounds bad to say I forget the name because how many posts do you, you probably see videos where remember the name and they list off all these <laughs> names. I'm like, I don't remember any of these names. Yeah. Um, but uh, you, you're right. It, it's, it's weird. You got, you got to stay up on your game. You got to, you got to stay in the thick of it. When somebody goes in the line of fire and they go into these intense situations more frequently, or they think about it, they intellectualize it, they plan for it. Of course, they're going to handle it better. And then you just have to look at the the laws of like staying with something. Like for instance, I did landscaping growing up. I, I for for four or five years I did it full time, and then I did it part time when I started being a trainer. Uh, more and more. And then I eventually didn't do any landscaping for a few years, started back up. And then when COVID hit, like right after I started back up, essentially, I switched to doing it full time. Again. But I hadn't been doing it. So there were things I forgot that I needed to do. I would blow grass against the house accidentally in spots. I would forget, um, you know, to look when I'm blowing off after mulching to blow off the window sills. I, I would make these little errors that you just don't realize you would do. And I wasn't in the shape. I, I it was it wore me out more mentally. It was more exhausting to know what I had to do in the day physically. And it took me like a full year, like a, to go through all of the seasons of landscaping to where like it's like, okay, now I have it all back down. But if you, if you stop or if you stop doing self-study, like you said, history, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, we were just talking about before we started the laws of adaptation and, and understanding how strength and conditioning is a really good blueprint to understand uh, because it gives you such a literal way to an, analyze how your mind and body are in tune with what you do. And if you stop working out for a month, two months, three months, mm -hmm. you're weaker, you get exhausted quicker. It's, yeah, mentally taxing. You're going to need, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's all, all gone. It's not even just physical. There's a lot that goes on. The same could be said with, with school, I'm sure. Um, learn all sorts of stuff. Yeah, but the problem is <clears throat> there are some jobs that, there's no room for error, you know? So if you are a police officer, there is no room for error. And I, I am not anti-cop at all. I fucking feel bad for a lot of police officers, you know, because they had, they're in a kind of situation where it's easier for them to lose than it is for them to win. I mean, you guys a hard fucking job, man. That's a really hard job because most of the time your life is on the line. And you got to think about that. You know, if you're chasing someone down an alley, you don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Probably a pretty good chance that person would shoot back at you. So I get it. Like, yeah. I get that's really hard. But we, I, I've also seen a lot of people talk about, and I'm not a, an expert when it comes to, um, to law enforcement, but I have heard a lot of law enforcement experts weigh in on the fact that police in this country are not properly trained. They're not trained enough. And like you're saying, they're not kept on top of their game. I mean, if you think about how many times have you seen a police officer who's completely out of shape, running out of breath, just walking down the street? Like, what is that guy going to do? You know, I mean, he's got a gun, I guess. But like someone who I, I feel like if you're going to be a police officer, hmm, mentally, you have to be sharp and physically, you have to be sharp. And if you're not both of those things, I don't 
believe that you're taking the job seriously and that's not a job you can't not take seriously and i you know i, I train with a with a police officer and that dude is like he does jujitsu you know he is like he trains people he's on top of his game like he he takes his job very seriously and i talked to him about this because i'm i'm really interested i'm very interested in this this topic because um you know it kind of feeds into my uh kind of this idea that it, that that we have, we have too many laws in place and um and mm -hmm. our police officers are oftentimes used in situations where i think it's not even something they sh they should be doing like the situation where you know there's a, there's a drunk guy at a bar and drunk guy comes walking out and you got three four cops show up with their guns drawn sometimes depending upon where it is like why why do you need that just get can't there just be a cop there with a with a social worker to de-escalate the situation, take that person home? You know, it, like shit like that to me makes a lot more sense than than just immediately going towards aggression. It's like the non-aggression principle, you know. So to me, that that's the first thing I think about when I saw that that thirteen-year-old kid get shot. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Why did you do that? But then there's the flip side. You're thinking, dude. He's, he's a human, a police officer's human being, you know, like it's right. pretty that that police officer panicked and made a bad decision. So what's the, what's the solution? Well, I guess better training. You know, I don't even know what the, like they were, this one, somebody was talking about like the time it takes to become a police officer in other parts of the world versus here. And I think in this country, it's like very short amount of time compared to some other, I guess, um, first world countries in, in the world. Um, I just don't really like the idea of our police officers not being properly trained and thus we have these situations. Yeah. I'm, I, we get a lot of police officers at the gym. I've met a lot through jujitsu and even, even within the community of police officers that want to go do something like jujitsu, you still come across people where it's like, Oh my God, you're in charge of making these decisions. Like just hearing the way they think, hearing the, the sort of ethics, maybe not in a terrible way. Maybe it's just their, their inability to see bigger picture, to have uh, empathy, to be understanding of others. There's just an extreme disconnect. And then a lot of them are extremely immature. I know a guy who patrols some of the worst parts of the city in, in Baltimore. And it's like, man, you're, you're a kid. You really don't know a lot. And even in the jujitsu thing, it's like when they're starting out, it's, it's like, whoa, you've already made it through to being a cop. Sometimes there are new cops that come in and you just cannot believe that these people have been in situations where they might need to fend for their life and what that might be like for them when they've never, clearly, they've never gotten good at that skill. There's so much. What it takes to actually be a police officer, as far as needing to know the law, needing to know how to, to have weapon uh, capabilities, to whatever tools you use to read people. I know they, they're pretty anti-profiling, but I mean, you just need street smart skills. You need communication right. skills. You need driving ability. There's so much that it takes to being a, a police officer. And now it's not even a job that, that people see as being overly, they're not proud of it the way they were 
you know, at one point in time. So what types of people fall into it? A lot of the types of people who don't have many other options or don't know what to do with their lives. And, and think about how crazy that is. Think about the, the kind of person you need to be a police officer and you're basically going after people that can't, you know, I'm not saying it's true for everybody, but, you know, going after people, like you said, that maybe aren't qualified to do much else. I don't know if that, that, that's how it is all over the world, but I remember when I lived in Baltimore, man, there were like billboards up, come be a police officer. They were fucking desperate to get cops in there. I mean, yeah, you should have a, a college degree. I think you should, that's one, I, I'm not big on college for a lot of things, but I think if you're going to police officer, you need to understand psychology and sociology and, and criminal justice and law and, and all those things, you know, but you know, I think here's the dish. Here's the one issue that bothers me too is, when a police officer does something wrong, you have, and we go, we're going to go back to, to making this partisan man too, because you have one side of the aisle that immediately says that, that cop, you know, was out to hurt somebody on purpose. That's not always the case. And then you have the other side of the aisle that said, you know, I back the blue no matter what. Really? So if someone just murders somebody because they can, that's okay. Yeah. That's so how do we, it, it's hard enough to get, to come to a place where we can say, yes, we need better trained cops. But how do you do that when you have, again, the, the, the politics of it coming into play? I mean, look, look when Trump was in office, man. He was telling people, yeah, put them in there. I don't care if you hit their heads on the car, put them, throw them in there. It's like, that's a great fucking message to send <laughs> fucking law enforcement, you know? It's crazy. Seriously? And then, and then fucking Biden was like, I'm so pro, um, you know, criminal justice reform and fucking end the war on drugs. Boom. You, you just did a huge service for, for fixing the criminal justice problem. No, no, he can't do that. Yeah. It shows you just how serious these guys are about this stuff. The, the way that it, that it divides people, that they have to see it as one or the other, they have to see it as I always back the police or it's almost like the person it's like you already know the way they're going to view it based on who they are and like what they stand and what they believe in that there's just most people don't swim in the gray area they don't critically think they don't they don't weigh pros and cons checks and balances right. and they just have a hard stance and they're on autopilot it doesn't even matter it's yeah. like it's so crazy. The, the cop could some some of these people who were who were pro cop. I mean, the cop could do all sorts of things, and the only thing that person watching is like, how can I defend this cop? How can I try and figure out like how to def yeah see that side of it? That's the way it is. I mean, that's the way it is with politics, big time. Like like you you know like we've talked about and and making it another you know split divide like that. It's it's the way politics work with everything. Anybody who supports Trump immediately just got triggered by what you said about what he said about cops. Right. You know, immediately they got triggered by that. If you mention drone strikes and Barack Obama, anybody who is Democrat is going to be triggered. If they don't have a response, even if they don't know what to tell you. Dude, I was such a, I was so critical of Trump for those four years. And, um, all my friends who are very much on the left would always agree with me. So now Biden's been in office and I've commented on a couple of things, immigration pro problem, which is like, 
they're like, yeah, there's, there's, you know, what's changed? You know, there's still like people in cages and shit and you have no plan yet. Uh, and they're like, well, give them time, give them time, give them time. Dude's been in Washington for how long? He was the fucking vice president for eight years. How much more fucking time do you need? Make a fucking right. effort. The war on drugs. Oh, well, he's got people around him that are going to help him. Yeah, but he's already showing that he's not taking it seriously. You know, it's like, and, and look, and here's the crazy thing. I went from being an ally to being a fascist. <laughs> you know, it's yep. like, really? Really? That makes me a fascist because I don't like, I don't like to see brown people in cages ripped apart from their families because I don't like the war on drugs. I'm a fascist. Come on, man. <laughs> Can't we just find a oh, pool to hang out with that hasn't been hey, <laughs> You got to back the blue. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. My buddy who's a cop, I was telling you about, he and I um, hang out a lot. And it's funny because he's a pretty intimidating looking guy. So if you were to get pulled over, I could see someone being nervous, particularly if you're not white. Because let's face it, if you're black and you get pulled over, you're kind of like, am I going to get shot today or am I just going to get a ticket? I mean, that's just the reality of it. Right. But if you talk to this guy, he is the nicest fucking guy, has no interest in being a bully. He actually became a cop because he didn't like the cops that he saw growing up. He said they were, they were always bullying people and like always starting trouble and he wanted to do something different. It's very, very interesting to see his take on it. Um, and then him say, I'm really, I'm one of the few. He's, he said most people are still kind of, at least the ones that he works with are very much just looking for fights. Now, you know, it's, it's a mm. sad reality that I think, um, that some people just don't want to, to realize. And, you know, we call this kind of libertarian, but this is a very, very much a libertarian stance, the, the non-aggression principle. Anyone who yeah. claims to be a libertarian has to say no to police brutality and not just say no, but stand up against it and fight against it. I, I don't know how many people are doing that. That's a good, that's a good point. I, I specifically in the libertarian party, it's probably an overlooked or, um, a, a principle that, that should be stood up for stronger. I would, I would imagine, but, but, but it's, again, it comes down to politics. The harder you go in that direction, the more you look like a, what you look like a lot of the people you don't like, because you don't, if you don't like the group of people that are constantly going on about police brutality and if you don't like the way they are right you know the their view on politics maybe the way they they generalize a lot of things maybe the way they throw venom in a lot of things that you think is unfair then you're going to, to instinctually shy away from making overlapping points and being put in that just like you said you critiqued uh um biden and now you are a fascist right when when you were critiquing police brutality, you were an ally. You critique Biden, you're a fascist, and 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 it's the same. It's people are afraid. I I think that's what it comes down to, and they can only see, they can't really see that they're doing it. Mm -hmm. It's hard for them to realize that that's what's molding their views, or it, the fact that we hate the community that is so anti-police and the way they are in thinking that we don't want to look like one of them. And I think that's probably a big hang up for a lot of libertarians or why they're cautious about being more outspoken about certain things. It's because you start to look like people that you just don't want to look like. 
Well, look, yeah. I mean, you could even go as far, and I, I, the reason I bring this up because I know libertarians that have said this, so they completely do not um, support any police officer because the laws that they enforce are unjust. So say, for example, if you're a police officer, you could be the nicest guy in the world. You're there because you want to make a difference. You want to protect and serve, not just fuck with people. But if you see someone fucking shooting heroin in the alley, like, what are you going to do? You're probably going to arrest that person. Whereas you know, a libertarian would say, well, you're enforcing an unjust law. You have no right to tell that person they can't shoot hair. I mean, if you anything, you would take them to a place where they could be safe. How do we reconcile that? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's a, yeah. Now this is a, this is a question. So how, what, what percentage of people do you think who would identify as libertarian would be strongly, strongly against the war on drugs. Maybe it's not their biggest talking point, but like, do you think that it's so high of a percentage that you could say 80 to 90% probably feel strongly about that? I would think okay. so. Okay. Yeah. And then as far as police brutality, how many of them think that that would be a pretty serious problem? What, what would be your percentage? I bet it's less than that. And yet they're yeah. one of the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's more brutal than the war on drugs. It's you know, um, not to get off yeah. topic here, but I was just thinking about the last time I got pulled over and I was speeding and I got pulled over and cop was fine. He was nice. I mean, still give me a ticket, but you know, like I wasn't, I wasn't really nervous. I was just mostly annoyed. And, and I was, you know, again, it's like, that's a privilege that I have. And then I was thinking the previous time I got pulled over was by, um, a, a female officer and she was fucking hot like she was sexy as hell dude like she was just like she came over and i was i was looking at him like oh shit like i'm kind of attracted to this woman you know i'm a little turned on right now this woman you know i think i just took privilege to a whole new a whole new place right i think i just triggered a lot of people but yeah. how fucked up is that that i could look at a police officer as a woman and be like man like she's really hot like that, the fact that I would, that I would even think that just shows that privilege is a real thing and it absolutely affects how we see law enforcement. Cause thinking about, thinking about that kid, that 13 year old kid, or thinking about any number of, of black people, particularly kids that have been shot by the police. And then how many kids, white kids have shot places up and have been escorted out by the cops you know, have been given water, they're still alive. I think yeah. this issue is something that we can't ignore. It's hard for, I think libertarians will sometimes look at this issue and kind of brush it aside and be like, it's not always about race, you know, or it, it's, it's a left issue if you say that. But it's not a left issue it's a, it, because it affects how we view law enforcement. If all the people in this country cannot look to law enforcement and feel safe and secure, then we have a problem and we will always have a problem. The only thing that's happening now is we have cell phones and the internet. This shit is, is not new. It's been happening for decades. I mean, I remember listening to like Ice-T records and NWA records back in the 80s. And they were talking about, you know, fuck the police and colors and, um, and cop killer and all this shit. I grew up in a, you know, a pretty you know, white suburban area just outside of Baltimore. And I was like, there's no way this shit's real. You know, like, what? 
that makes no sense to me. And then when I was around 16, I got my driver's license and I started going down to Baltimore a lot. And I started noticing some discrepancies in the way people lived, the way people were treated. Maybe there's something to this. And now we have this shit on camera and we know yeah. there's something to this. And it happens. It continues to happen every day. I don't know what else we're supposed to do. People say, well, you, you know, if you go out and riot and burn shit down, that's not solving anything. Well, it's not solving anything. But if I were black and I saw black people getting shot by the police every day, I think my instinct would be like, yeah, I want to burn some shit down because yeah. nothing else is working. No one's paying attention. I don't, I never know the answer to these problems, but I think one of the answers is we, I think we need as a society to stop making excuses for people that break the law, like violently break the law and, and stop making excuses for police officers who fuck up. Even if it's not on purpose, you, yeah. it's not, that's not a, if you, if you work at McDonald's and you know, you, uh, you're, you're cooking up some fries and you push a, you push one of your coworkers into the, into the fryer, deep fryer, you know, and they lose their arm or something, pretty sure you're fired. You know, yeah. that's a fireable offense. So how is it any different for, a police officer who really has responsibilities far greater than a fry cook. The, the, the big problem I see is that everybody wants to, I don't know if it extrapolates the right word or just, uh, just, just see it as a broader um, sort of sense where the second, the second somebody does something wrong as a police officer, they now represent all of, of the police. I mean, right. whether or not, maybe there are departments and pockets that are specifically worse than others. Maybe you can make generalizations. Like obviously there's, there's a more likelihood of a black person being profiled in a way or, or treated in a way that a white person isn't. And you can, you can definitely see some general, general issues, but everything is, is essentially bigger picture. So the second one police officer does something a certain way now we need to make a statement to all police officers or i i understand making a, a general statement against like you know or for police reform when things like this happens because that seems like an obvious connection but we need to have a certain expectation or you, you wouldn't see that. So if the person from, if somebody shoves somebody into the fryer grease or does whatever, pours fry, fryer grease on somebody um, and, and that's an act of whatever it is, assault or whatever you want to call it, that nobody would look at that and say that that's an issue with people in that, that job thing. Right. But if it started happening a little more often, what would you say? I mean, it would take a lot of people doing that specific act <laughs> before you, you would start, start having that view. So even if there's a general issue, these specific issues are still specific issues and need to be seen as individual entities. Um, it's, da it's dangerous to, to generalize to that extreme. And that's what everybody wants to immediately do is, is generalize. And, you know, it's tough. I, mean, I think like most libertarians that I know, at least um, I would say I would, I would call them um, people that have a, a, a wide reach in the libertarian community. Um, you know, it would be it would be nice. Well, let me back up here. Let me just say this. I think that 
this should be an issue I would like to see the Libertarian Party be more outspoken about. Because I think Libertarians tend to be more rational, theoretically. We tend to be more rational when we look at situations like this. Like I think a Libertarian would look at the situation, like Reason actually did a really good article about um, that, that kid uh, in, in Chicago, the 13-year-old. Um, and they just outlined, all they did was outline what happened. You know, this is how it went down. They didn't, you know, and, and it was a very rational response to what happened. Um, so why isn't the Libertarian Party being more outspoken about this? I would very much like to see the Libertarian Party, um, when these things happen, put out a press release. You know, we believe in the non-aggression principle. We believe that, you know, it, in, if uh, law enforcement needs to be held to a higher standard, you know, um, and I, I would even, I would even go so far as to say that this is, this could even be turned into kind of a second amendment issue too. Think about how many people own guns because they're afraid of the police. I mean, there's a lot of them in Baltimore. You know that. Yeah. You no, know? it's not just because they're afraid of, you know, other rival gangs or something. They're fucking scared of the police. So yeah. I think, I think with the libertarian party being silent about this it does a disservice to the problem and it, once again it does a disservice to the libertarian party which again it continues to drag its feet when it should be standing up i mean we don't i don't want ultra left people standing up in situations like this because they'll say shit like we just need to get rid of the police altogether or you know it's immediately the cops fault and we need to burn shit down that's that that's the response of the left you know and the response to the right is, I don't care what happened. That person's a cop. He's right. Or she's right. That other person was a thug without even like knowing what happened. What a great opportunity for the Libertarian Party to stand up and say, listen, you know, we believe in law and order. We believe in the non-aggression principle, you know, and I think that would, that would bring at least a lot of attention to the Libertarian Party in a rational way. Because I'm so, like, we've talked about this. I'm so tired of people, like, they talk about the Libertarian Party, like, all Libertarians, you know, they have a thousand reasons why, why we're crazy and all conspiracy theorists. Like, this is a very real issue that should be discussed. And you're right. I mean, Libertarian Party talks about prohibition and war on drugs, and that's good. Um, but it's not out there enough. I, yeah. I, I think this because, look, Democrat, the Democrats are out every time something happens. Republicans are out every time something happens. They jump on that shit. Because for them... It's a way to speak to their base. Well, libertarian base is very, very small. You know? And if we have any chance of spreading this message of real liberty and real free markets, then we have to be more aggressive. We have to be more out there and sharing you know, our thoughts on these situations. And I really think that you know, if done right, there's no person on the right or left that could look at a libertarian response to these shootings and have a problem with it. Yeah, I, I think the ability to make a bit bolder of uh, statements and, and being a little bit more, like we've said, it's, the whole thing is what, what do libertarians strongly identify with? And you start to see, okay, fiscally, they seem to have a certain, like it's probably easier to see maybe the, like the way they would look at, at fiscal politics, maybe the way they would look at like global politics. Those are first two things that maybe come to my mind that I can kind of see a little bit of a firm stance. Mm -hmm. But but the police reform thing, um, 
at least acknowledging that there's a problem and maybe having a unique way of going about it. Like you said, breaking down these individual things, talk. There's got to be a, a third view here between the left and the right. There's got to be a, a strong third stance that they could make that that make, makes a, a good amount of sense. And they're, you're right. I've never, I've never heard of it. I mean, as somebody that's always been kind of fringe and I, I pay attention enough to know as much as the average person on something, I've never known what, what their stance was. I can make the assumption because I knew the war on drugs was a bit bigger of a libertarian thing, but I, I don't know what I would have said, especially before talking to you about it, what I would have said if I would have thought they were generally more more pro the way police is i would i mean i i assumed police reform would be an interest but yeah it, it would make a big difference and it would it's it's timely it needs to happen it needs to happen it's somebody I, needs to make a statement i do think these things do get discussed in libertarian circles and i've definitely yeah. gone to my share of libertarian conferences and we talk about this stuff but we're just talking to ourselves that doesn't get us anywhere but what media outlets, what is the biggest platform right now for libertarian talking points? Or do you think if they were to make a bigger statement about things a bit more forward, a bit more outspoken, I don't know where or how, what would be the route to go to be heard? Well, that's the thing. It's like there's no, there's no mouthpiece for the libertarian party. And maybe that's a fact because we, you know, there's a libertarians in office. Really, I mean, at least at the national level, the federal level. Um, so, you know, if you have a, a Democrat in office, obviously there's talking points from the White House. Then you have, you know, whoever the <clears throat> right now you'll have uh, the majority leader, the minority leader that could be Republican, depending upon what's happening in Congress at that period of time, who's running, who, who's got the the majority. Um, so those people can come and make statements, and of course you have the the DNC and the RNC. They make their statements. When, I mean, you do see the libertarians make statements on, you know, from time to time. But again, I don't think the message is getting through. And maybe it's because we're just telling each other what we already believe. It would be nice to see, and I don't know how you make this happen, but it would be, it would be nice to see um, the libert whoever is running the libertarian party, whoever's going to be the mouthpiece of the libertarian party, be more proactive in getting, getting out out front of these things. Because look, no, one, no one's typically invited, inviting a libertarian mouthpiece you know, to Fox News or to CNN or MSNBC or whatever channel that you watch. Um, rarely do you see libertarians invited to the conversation. So I'm a big believer, if you're not invited to the party, but you want to go to that party, you fucking show up. You figure out how to get there. You know, No matter yeah. what you want to do in life, if there's something you want to do, you figure out how to make it. If you really want to make it happen, you can fucking make it happen. You just got to figure out how to do it. And I think that the Libertarian Party has really dragged its feet for a long time in, in, in this situation. I th I'm trying to think if I've ever heard much of a libertarian um, viewpoint on any outlets. And the only ones I can think of, Fox has definitely had like some libertarian-minded people on there. Certainly uh, Gary Johnson, was he was running, they, he, he would be on Fox, I, I believe. Um, NPR has had some libertarian people on there, but that's about it. And I could be wrong. I mean, it's not like I watch a whole lot of news. Um, I usually just 
you know, see what's, you know, I, I usually just see what's online and what's trending. And then I just follow any, anything I'm particularly interested in. Um, so really, so let, let's just say that maybe the Libertarian Party needs a more outspoken mouthpiece, someone to be yeah. out there. And not even, I wouldn't even say we're spreading the message of libertarianism, just whatever the, the issue is, the libertarian perspective. Because I believe that the libertarian perspective is always going to be superior to the Republican perspective or the Democrats perspective. And the Republicans and Democrats only benefit from our silence. And that's yeah. how they like it. And that's how they want it. So how do we fix that? I don't know, man. Yeah. Someone's got someone's to be more, more proactive, I guess. What do you think it, it does for the party or what do you think it does when there is somebody that is libertarian clearly that has probably been outspoken about it and then when they go to run for something, they, they sign up to be a Republican? <laughs> do you know, that, that's a common problem that I think holds it back. Like, like Ron Paul, Ron Paul to a lot of people who don't know would, would just be seen what as a Republican? Like how many people would think of him as that and not think of him as, as libertarian? But you know, I think see, these days most people would re equate him as a, with a, being libertarian. But yeah, he was Republican. Justin yeah. Amash was Republican, and he's always been libertarian mindset. Now he's a libertarian now, but he's he you know he left office. He in office he was a Republican. He's the only guy really in Congress who I ever thought made any sense, at least yeah. on a consistent basis. I'm not saying I agree with everything he says, but like God, the guy's consistent as fuck, man. You know and. They were they were so happy to get rid of him. Fucking Trump called him little Justin Amash. It's like really, it's like he's got more fucking honor in his pinky than Trump's got in his whole fucking bald ass head. You know, yeah. it's like you're right, man. How you know is it is that is that what has to happen? We have to say, well, we're libertarian, we're lean libertarian, but we're just going to go as Republicans because that's a better way to get in office. It, it ruins the left. It really ruins the ability to take um, liberal-minded people and show them a party that might have a bit more uh, self-respect, not you know a little, a little bit more well thought all, thought out, and not just being so damn sensationalized and, and making it about trying to speak just to their people. The the, the left doesn't respect libertarianism i think the way they would if it was shown in a more even uh playground or if it wasn't under the name of republicans so much that always threw me for a loop you know that one there well i think you know i think a lot of liberals tend to look at or let's say liberals but like democrats and folks on the left would look at libertarians and the first thing they think about is the second amendment this is a very real issue for libertarians you know we 100 percent support and advocate for the second amendment but like we were just talking about, the non-aggression principle, that is very much a left-leaning issue. You know, the war on drugs, left-leaning, the way we look at it as libertarians, that's a, the left would also look at it that, that way in terms of the war on drugs need to end. Um, criminal justice reform, immigration. And these are all things that I feel like the, the left would really embrace, but it's all, it's all hidden behind the smokescreen of what? Free markets and the Second Amendment. Yeah. And guys like that, where was he from? Kentucky or whatever we talked about last time. It's it's uh, the oh the good libertarian the, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the national uh, anthem. That's the big problem too. Is the media's ability 
to hone in on one idiot, just like we were talking about with the police or whatever. When one idiot does something, they're not one idiot. They're the whole thing. Right. It's so and, easy to make it seem that way in pol. That's that's what politics. That politics are so that where like you, you can't even begin to to. We had eight years of warmongering under Barack Obama that was not much different than other warmongering that has gone on, and we still can't get past this imaginary construct in our head that we assume that that the the left is extremely anti-war anti-violence anti you know manipulating things globally um feeding off of others in inhumane ways we want to think that that's not the left and it's only the right but so we can't even look at the, I, I guess it all comes in, in my lifetime, you know, you, you look at the stuff with, with 9-11 and then the war on Iraq and that, that is, that seems to be in recent history why people maybe kind of see things that way. But I mean, when you look at the Clinton administration and the Obama administration, which sandwiched the, you know, the, the, the years of George Bush, you see a lot of similar things. I mean, it wasn't quite to the, to the brevity as far as being so out there. And then it didn't, not that it, I say help as if I'm on the, the George Bush side of things. I'm not, but then you have guys like Michael Moore and stuff, bringing a lot of very one-sided on that sort of approach, but it is, it's, it's tough to, I don't know, man. I hate that generalization and I hate the lack of honest view because you, you definitely, how, how many people on, how many people even are, are willing to see where the left and the right are similar in that sort of sense when it comes to war? It's a very small percentage of people, mm-hmm. I, I think. You know, I was listening to the Sarah Silverman podcast the other day and she was talking about that in terms of, I guess it was, um, I forgot the guy's name from Project Veritas, who had a video of some of the, the, the camps, the refugee camps, that looked no different than what we saw under the Trump administration. And people were saying, you know, they're, they're almost trying to defend Biden. Um, again, you know, people on the left are trying to defend, defend Biden from what was clearly on video. and. Sarah Silverman's like, look, if the right all of a sudden cares about the immigration problem because of Biden being in office, okay, then we can work together on something. Why is, who fucking cares how they came to this place? If the right came to this place because Biden's office, they hate Biden, who fucking cares? If both sides of the aisle can now say, hey, we don't like what's going on here with these people being treated like fucking animals, let's do something about it. You know, I even saw that today. Today on Twitter, George Bush was saying something about we need to come together to figure out how to do a better job with immigration because it's very inhumane what we're doing. And immediately the left was like, well, where were you during 9-11? And, and you were doing this and you were doing that. I'm like, why do you fucking care? Why do you care? He's agreeing with you. Who cares how he got here? But we're yeah. so stuck in this place. And you and I, we, we, look, we've, we will, we've had this conversation over and over again, and we will likely continue to have it hopefully not too much because i feel like people are going to watch it and be like but we keep talking about this but it's hard not to talk about it because 
I, I feel like th this is the root of a lot of our problems. And the only way that to, I think, to fix things, if people aren't willing to think for themselves and be rational and, um, and not be so partisan driven, for me, I think one of the only ways to change that is to introduce a third party that can offer a rational viewpoint um, that works for everybody or more so than what we have now. Which yeah. Is, and like I've always been so pro, you know, libertarian party, because I think in theory, it's, it's the best alternative we have. But we call this kind of libertarian because I don't know about you, but we talked about this. I feel a little ostracized you know, from the Libertarian Party because it's so disjointed and it's so off base. It's like the, the best solution we have right now lies within the Libertarian Party, but the Libertarian Party is like showing up to a fight like fucking Ben Askren. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's like you're not even fucking trying. Yeah. They, I, uh, it, it's crazy. You're, you're right. It, they know they don't have a chance immediately in a way they should think they have a chance. You should have a little bit more gumption there, some sort of, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it, it's weird when you, when you look at that and then you say, where was George Bush with this? It's so easy to see it in certain ways, but then, and I hate to keep harping on Obama as if I'm like some sort of anti-Obama pro anything else, but. Like black women and white women, you remember that guy? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it like like do people remember that? You know, when they say where was George Bush with with immigration back with that? But do people remember where was Barack Obama with gay rights when he got elected? When he won a Nobel Peace Prize, where was he with gay rights? I I believe it was 2011 that Joe Biden officially came out, and it was a little bit before Barack Obama being pro-gay marriage and all that. But I mean, you have to understand that guy ran on a platform of being against gay marriage. And we, that is, you would never talk about that. It's off limits almost, you know? Obama did that? Obama was not pro-gay marriage. I know he wasn't for it, but I didn't remember him being like, actively. Well, he was asked about it. It, it was a thing that, that got brought up. Um, and, you know, it was something that he didn't want to touch, but he didn't, not touch it in a way that was supportive of gay rights. I believe it had to do with either under the religious spectrum or something about, you know, he believed in the sanctity or something with the, between a male and a, a woman. You no, know, he didn't care. He did not he fucking didn't. care, but he had to play the game. And that's the great thing about the Libertarian Party. Libertarian Party doesn't have to fucking play any game. Nobody yeah. fucks cares about us anyway. So we got nothing to lose. We can show up and just be honest. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm pro Second Amendment. Oh, you're going to lose the left. Well, I'm, I'm pro human rights and equal rights and end the war on drugs. Oh, you lose the right. But it doesn't matter because yeah. you have nothing to lose. What great, that's the best position to be in when you have nothing to lose. It, it's nice because it, it kind of reminds me, you brought up uh, history earlier, how you need to stay on top of history. Mm -hmm. When I think of li libertarians, it's, it's almost like, say, as if you were to say, talk about history professors and history teachers uh, widespread. They should have a certain type of knowledge. They have their own viewpoints because of the nature of history, because of what you could generally um, come to certain conclusions, depending on, you, you're going to have a lot of similarities in the way people who are under the history 
uh, profession, the way they think and see things. And I think that the, the lack of obvious identity in libertarianism probably forces people to think for themselves think more critically, think more rational, like you suggested. And it's, it's not an easy route to take. It's not one you can just be like a sheep or it's not one you can just sort of uh, go to without being a, some sort of a thinker or a free thinker or, or whatever because of the lack of strong identity. So even though it hurts itself, like how we say, like how do you even define libertarian? It's because it's not the same sort of game that the two main parties play. Right. It's not that game. So there is room for individualism. There is room for people who are so extremely different and that makes it hard to put your finger on. But it but it's the saving grace in far as far as being so inclusive of uh things that both the left and the right see, you know, and 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 kind of being similar in ways but not being so, not being so, uh, uh, I, I guess like we were saying with the, these making these giant generalizations and everything is so black and white and literal, that it's more swimming in the gray area for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, it's definitely case by case, individual to indiv individual. And I think it's, I think if you put a big group of libertarians, well, you could probably speak on this, I'm sure. You put a group of libertarians together and they're having a conversation. It sounds a lot like people thinking and discussing things critically, probably in a non, um, uh, not, not extremely argumentative, but in a very individualized way. It's not the same way when you get a bunch of like Democrats together, a bunch of Republicans together, mm -hmm. how they're going to be stroking each other and just <laughs> venom, venom, venom on the other. Well, the left, there's, yeah, fuck the left, blah, 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 bunch of pussies, this and that. I mean, when you hear people at the gym who are all, like I was at a, at a gym this morning in a rural area, a normal workout gym, I went with my dad and there's like the pocket of like ultra Republican men. It's like, it's like a bunch of Rush Limbaugh's working out together. And the way they talk, it's just, they, 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 they parrot um, each other in a way. They rarely disagree with each other. You're almost not allowed to dis, you have no reason to even have any sort of critical discussion with each other. And it's the same exact way my, my ultra left people have conversations. It's just full on agreement, full on venom to the other side. And it's not that critical dialogue. You know, we haven't had a whole lot of things that you and I disagree on, but we definitely present very different views at times on things. And there will, there will come a time where one of us might see a correction to bring up or some sort of different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's just the types of people we are. And I think people like that gravitate towards libertarian. It definitely allows for individual critical thinking. Well, look, I think if there's ever been a time for the libertarian party to strike, it's now. It really yeah. is. I mean, I don't know how much longer that um, we're going to be in this situation where, well, no, I, I do. I think it's always going to be like this from going forward. I don't think it's ever going to get better. I think it's going to get worse and worse and worse until another party or another group of people come, comes along and changes that. So right now, everybody seems to hate everybody. You know, you can't even, yeah. you, you write one thing and, you know, it, I, I post something in Twitter or I make a comment to someone else's tweet and it's like, if I say the wrong thing, 
I'm going to be called all kinds of things. And again, does it, it depends on what I'm talking about. You know, someone call me a fascist, someone call me a, a communist, which I think is hilarious, by the way. I'm like, that yeah. is yeah exactly <laughs> you know? i can relate i'm the same i'm the same exact thing your your friends on the right call you left the friends on the left call you the right like what am i how do you even i figure out how to fit into this fucking world that sees things that way no, that's the problem yeah we're all trying to fit into a shitty place like it's like, it's like you know you again these are the party metaphor it's like you've been invited to the party but there's no weed there's no booze there's no hot girls like what well, fuck I don't want to go, really. Honestly, I don't want to go to that party. But uh-huh. I hear somebody on the street's got some fucking mushrooms, <laughs> weed, like beautiful women everywhere. It's like, that's the party I want to go to. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully that's on the other side of death. That party. <laughs> that's an ideal place to die, die into. <laughs> it, makes me funny. it makes me think about the um, uh, Married with Children when, when uh, Al Bundy would always say, uh, Oh, sweet death, come take me, or something like yes, that. Yes, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, sweet death. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> you know, he's, well, I'm sure you know, he's a great uh, jiu-jitsu guy. Old I school jiu-jitsu. He'd always been a black belt for a really long time, and one of the, I don't know, I would say one of the first Americans, but he's old school. He's long time, uh, you know, and <laughs> it just also, I had a, an image of uh Fred Sanford, when you said that, or it's a very Fred Sanford line. What when Al Bundy does that? When Fred Sanford, it's the big one or whatever. It's the <laughs> yeah. big one, Mariam, or it's take, come take Elizabeth. me. So I'm coming. To, oh, that's what I'm coming to take you. Join you, Elizabeth. That's what it is. God, Fred Sanford is who? Those are two juggernauts in TV comedy. Fred Sanford and Al Bundy. Oh my God. Think about that. Sanford and Son and Married with Children. Those are two shows that were heavily criticized. Yeah, totally criticized by the left, mostly. I think the yeah. I mean, well, I, I shouldn't say that because I don't know. But I remember when Mary with Children came out. That's the one. I yeah, keep going. But people yeah, people were just like, "This is not a representation of American values and all this stuff." And meanwhile, everyone's like, "Actually, it's a pretty good representation, and it's fucking funny." Same with Roseanne. When Roseanne came out, it was just like, "Oh, that's what most people in America are like." You know, like that's how most right. people in America live. That's why the show did so well, you know, and it was, and let's go back to the free market principle. You know, it's like, why did those sh- shows down so long? Because people, there was a, there was a need, there was a demand that was not being met. And as soon as it came along, it's like success was there. But think about all the shows that would get, could, could even get made today. Could Sanford and Son get made today? I don't think so. Could Jefferson's get made at good times? No. No. A lot. I mean, I was watching that 70s show reruns uh, on Netflix. It was on Netflix. And I was thinking, already we've gotten to the point where you could not have these jokes. There was a lot of, I mean, I get that it was a piece that was was supposed to take place in the 70s. But still, the way the laugh tracks kicked in and the nature in which they were unfolding, it was not socially conscious in the way we are now and the way things were worded. It would be terrible. Um, and I'll look, tell you that, there's, definitely, there's definitely situations where like, I can look at old 80s movies and cringe. I'd be like, yep. I would laugh at them, but I'm like, that's kind of fucked up. Like in, in Revenge of the Nerds, when they put the cameras in the, in the dorms, like to spy on women, like, yep. yeah, that's not, that's not good. <laughs> like, that's not, as an adult, I look at that, I'm like, that's not, you know, 
at the time I laughed at it, but now I, 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 I don't know, maybe I've grown a little bit. Yeah. But I'm thinking more along times of what would could be considered socially and politically relevant. And I think when I think of those shows, when I think of All in the Family, that's a politically relevant show. You know, yeah. if you cannot do All in the Family today. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I was just. No, you're good. You know, um, and it's, I, I think that does a huge disservice to us because people, you know, it, I think it's good to see reflections of America, whether it's good or bad. It's true. It's like, I think we talked about this before about, we talked about um, in Germany, kids are taught at a very young age about World War II. They know Germany's role in World War II. And at a very early age, they know it. So when they grow up, they're not like, Germany's the greatest nation in the world and we've never done anything wrong. Like they know about the shit that happened. And they do that because like, we don't want that to happen again. Where now I think things have changed now, but what I, when I was in school, you know, we learned that the Indians were savages and they killed, they killed the people, the explorers, you know, like that's how it was taught to us. America's number one. We never did anything wrong. We, we're here to protect the freedom of the world. You know, it's like, that's not a good way. That, it's, it's the absence of truth, man. And that'll yeah. kill you. That will fucking, that, 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 that will negate any pro- progress that you can make as a country. We, we don't even know the ways that, that these sorts of things are still instilled within us. We can look at the, the Native American example because we, know, we now know better, right? We now know better than a lot of these things. We still don't even realize the ways in which we haven't peeled back and seen reality and truth for what it is. And, and there's so much propaganda. There's so many things that we have bought into or that have been pushed on us individually as a whole that we don't even know about things about whether it's nutrition, whether it's, I mean, there's, it's just unbelievable, whether it's about modern medicine, whether it's about surgery, uh, all these things. And, and it's crazy because we can see it in certain ways, but yeah, we live in a very odd time where, or place. I mean, I guess it's always been that way. You can't help but but fall prey to that sort of propaganda. So you need to go out and look into things. You need to be a little bit, you question certain things, try to find an honest uh, litmus test, have a difference. You got to be skeptical in some sort of ways because you you can't just believe every damn thing like that. Um, and, and then your environment's huge too. Just who, you know, who you hang with, what they think. I think it's healthy to be skeptical about things, but I think you don't have to be skeptical, overly skeptical, skeptical and negative about things. I tend to be skeptical of certain things. I'm skeptical of any messaging from the government. I'm skeptical of any messaging from most companies you know, things that I have reason to be skeptical of. But just because I'm skeptical doesn't mean I'm not open, open enough to, to listen. Because I know plenty of people who were super skeptical about everything. And no matter, something happens, something new comes out, you know. We talked about, I think we talked about electric cars before. <clears throat> They're skeptical. This is never going to work for any number of reasons. Well, how do you know it's not going to work? Do you know anything about electric cars and motors or the batteries? 
don't know anything about it. Do some research if you're really that interested. I understand being skeptical, but be skeptical of things, I guess, that are likely to harm you as opposed to new ideas. And that could, you know, that could be political. It could be media driven, like we're talking about with the television shows we watch. You know, new new ideas. What kind of television shows hit? Why do people like certain shows? Why do people like certain movies? If something offends you, it's okay. You know, you can be offended by it and you can look at something and say, this makes me feel uncomfortable. And you can talk about it. I think the problem arises when you try to weaponize that. When you try to weaponize what makes you uncomfortable. I mean, come on, man. Like, are we really that fucking weak that we can't live without being offended? You know, I mean, I don't like being offended. And, but at the same time, it's like, I'm not going to sit and pout and, you know, try to like put someone else out, you know, or the whole canceling thing. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. I mean, and that makes it a safer space to be skeptical. You know, because that's one of the biggest issues with being skeptical is that we are so venomous and we, a lot of people who are either, either whether you are or you're not a skeptical person, we're so quick to just be so harshly critical. And historically, a lot of people who've stuck their, their neck out uh, and made these statements and have, have been skeptical of certain things, they get, uh, you know, they get shit on and seen as a bad thing. Like we live in a time, look at the COVID stuff. It seems to me like it would make sense to be any sort of way about it. It would make sense to be skeptical in a certain way. It would make sense to be very pro, everybody vaccinate, everybody, you know, socially distance. I could see and understand why anybody would have a strong opinion or anybody would think a certain way. And, And I think that is... I try to keep that in mind with a lot of things when I'm being skeptical is not to just be so damning of everybody. But, but if you are the person that is very skeptical of certain things when it comes to COVID, if you're very skeptical of a lot of things with that sort of thing, a lot of people are quick to burn you at the stake. You know, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough to be the person that, that sticks their head out and is skeptical. So I try to be friendly of every sort of, yeah. It's, t- it's hard to figure out what the fuck is right in this world, man. That's one of the hardest things is what the, where the truth lies and where the propaganda ends. And you know what? People, you know, I get crazy when people say <clears throat> they disagree with me about something. I'll say, well, do the research. I'm like, well, which research are you talking about? Exactly. Someone talked to me the other day about um, uh, black people be- being more likely to be shot by a police officer. Maybe it was, I don't know, it was shot and killed. Maybe it was just... Uh, shot by a police officer. Um, and it was like, uh, it, I, I, I'm sorry, I, for, I forgot what the, the whole mess, message stream was, but it, was, it, it came down to, you know, who is more likely um, to be shot by the police, black people, white people, Hispanic, whatever the list was. Um, and this, this woman was just like, you know, uh, white people are more likely to be shot by the police and the black people and i'm like that doesn't sound right so i just looked it up real quick and sure enough I, it's not true at all you know and then it was uh i forgot where the where the um the data came from but it was like it was like a government accountability office or something like that it was a legit 
form. It was a legit place to find data. And, um, and there was no response. And like, I'm not trying to start a fight with you or anything, but if the response, like so many people now are just like, they don't even want to have a conversation. It's like, well, just look at the data. It's like, okay, what data are you going to show me this time? I'm tired, man. I don't have time to look at some, you know, report that you found on fucking Newsmax. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Some report that, you know, you found by, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever the left-wing equivalent of Newsmax is, maybe Raw Story or something like that. You know, you're right, man. It's, it's hard. So it, it really boils down again to um, being rational. You yeah. know, really interested in learning the truth. You do your own digging and see what you find. But you're right, man. We're just flooded with so much, so much information now. It's hard to know what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. Ultimately, I just think that it's important for, for me to, to remember just because I have discovered something that seems like uh, an epiphany or a realization or a better scope or, or something that, that it's important to, like we talked about uh, previously, try to be understanding, try to empathize, try to, to get why people think what they think and and not be just so immediately damning unless they are like we've said hitler you know unless you really are just obviously bad like a rapist <laughs> you know oh yeah your sound cut out for oh uh, okay. i was i was talking with someone about empathy the other day uh i was at <clears throat> i was at a grocery store in the parking lot and this dude was in a um, minivan a beat up minivan and he was pulling getting ready to pull a spot in a pickup truck shitty looking pickup truck by the way also came up and they almost hit each other the minivan almost hit the guy in the pickup truck and the dude the pickup truck gets out starts screaming at the guy in the minivan who's like an older dude he's probably in his 70s really disheveled looking he's screaming at this guy get the fuck out of the car i'm gonna fucking kill you and all this shit so i'm just like all right i'm just gonna stay here and watch what happens i i called i called 911 because this dude was look like he was going to fucking kill the guy, you know? Right. Well, 911. And then I just wait. And then the guy gets up on the dude's hood. So it's banging on the hood. So at this point I'm like, fuck. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get out. I mean, it was kind of like I was nervous cause I'm not really a fighter, but it was also a situation of, um, I basically looked at this guy and I'm like, I can probably take a punch better than the guy in the minivan. So let me just get out and see if I can at least try to defuse this situation. So right. I got to talk to the guy. He was pretty pissed off. Uh, and then I, I, I finally calmed him down. He gets in his truck, drives off. Police show up just after he leaves. So I'm like, all right, well, this is what happened. The dude in the minivan's like thanking me and everything. Uh, then the guy in the pickup truck comes back around. And I'm like, fuck, is this guy going to start some shit? I'm like, I'm glad the cops are here now, right? He gets out of the car and he's like, I'm sorry, man. And he apologized. And he's just like, I got fired today and I'm just, I just lost it. You just had a bad time. The dude in the minivan has been unemployed for, I forgot how long, months. And he was there interviewing for a job at the grocery store. And here I am, like, these two guys are both out of work. They're having shitty times, you know, a, a, a shitty, a shitty time, 100%. And they're in a bad place. And what happened here? You know, give me one second. We're going to stop this for one second.